and you have reached Alisa and Giles podcast. And this is Lisa and Jael Trinity, also known as L.A.J. Trinity. So listen, y'all, let's go. emotional I'm a little emotional it's Lisa and Jael Trinity and it is Saturday June 3rd 2023 and it is very early it is like 4 o'clock in the morning I, I got up to use the restroom and oftentimes that is God's way of um you know uh, waking me up and uh, so he could so he could talk so we could pray or or so I could pray and I can talk to him or he has something for me to do and um I I just happened to yeah I plopped on my computer real quick I'm checking some stats and numbers to see if you all are uh, listening to my hard work (laughs) or my typing in podcasts and such and see if you're being blessed by it and it's resonating with you I I can tell by the numbers you know and uh I I, I've been I've been listen they're gonna get sick of me but I'm looking at some pictures and uh I'm not gonna say who I'm not going to say who I'm who the pictures are of but you all look at you look happy. I know for a fact. Uh, call me a prophet. Call me a minister. Call tell you know God tells me secrets and and, and then there's the media. <laughs> but uh, you look happy as a couple, as a family. You look very happy. And I said, I'm looking at pictures. I'm like, wow, she is really killing it in these clothes. Uh, I said, and I, you know, and I, and I mentioned it to someone. I said, look, I was on a call, and I said, look, this is not fake. They're happy. They're they're doing better than they were two years ago. Again, I'm not going to say who it is, 
but you were at the royal, you were at the royal wedding. <laughs> That's as far as this conversation is gonna go. And as you can tell from my voice, I just woke up. So, um, but you look happy. You are happier than you were two or three years ago. And uh, listen, for those who are married. I taught some really great things on marriage in my previous podcast. Um, and just to let you know, the ones that are titled in, in the podcast list, a Lisa Ann Giles podcast that is actually says it in the title and then dash and the name of the podcast, those are my previous podcasts from another uh, from other episodes uh, before uh I transferred everything over to Spreaker and iHeart and um excuse me Spreaker is my main uh host my my main host they host my podcast and then I distribute to all other uh platforms and before I you know uh transferred everything over to Spreaker so that I, in turn I can continue podcasting uh I had some other uh, things that I did on another station, another platform, and just to like, because you may not know the difference which ones are the more recent. Obviously, you could tell from the dates, but now I just put the title. So those are the more, those are the more recent ones from the last month or two, and the ones with just the title, and the ones that says a Lisa Angel's podcast dash, then the title. Those are some of my older podcasts, but those are really great. They're all really good. But from some of my older podcasts, I, I taught some really great things on marriage. And in marriage, marriage should not be hard. It, it, it just shouldn't be hard. And I, 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 I'm not going to reteach it because I want you to go back into my podcast and really listen. I go in detail, in depth, I expound greatly on it and I break it down. But in jest, marriage, marriage shouldn't, it just shouldn't be hard. If marriage is difficult, you haven't married your soulmate. You haven't, it's a fact. You haven't married your soulmate. And I'll tell you why. He who findeth a wife findeth a good thing and has found favor from the Lord. Paraphrased. That is scripture. God is a perfect God. And when you Check with him before execution. Before executing your pursuit. He will say yay or nay. If it's a yay. He is now concurring and confirming. And affirming. That she is your soulmate. And he doesn't make mistakes. He is coordinating way before you even thought of getting married. God is always steps and steps and steps ahead of us. He is a perfect God and he does not make mistakes. To say that marriage is hard is implying that God didn't know what he was doing in the first place. 
Some may say, well, we're human. No. You're not. <laughs> no, you are. You are human. So there will be there may be uncomfortable moments in the marriage. But marriage should never be work. Because he says my yoke is easy. So you call God you call God a liar when you say, You sent me this man, you sent me this woman. I, I just can't take it anymore. I'm out. I'm ready to I don't love her anymore. I went out and that is not how marriage works. Marriage is not an agreement. It is not a contract. It is not a fancy uh, arrangement. Residential arrangement. It is a covenant. And God is a covenant keeping God. He takes covenants. Those vows you exchanged in a church or at a venue with a minister present. Is a very serious thing. Because the Bible says if you make a vow and break it. It's it, it been better off for you not to make it at all. You are in trouble. Paraphrasing the scripture in the Bible. So marriage. God honors marriage. Marriage should never be work. And I get upset when I hear freaking ministers talking about telling young people. Marriage is work, and you know you got to work hard. And I said, Jesus, why, why don't you just deter everybody from? Why don't you, just, you know, they, they they just might as well just go in the glory now. Just 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 you know, hand on chest, just take me now, Lord. I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> the way ministers paint and some adults paint pictures of marriage, it's ridiculous. You got, you, you got, it's just a mess. You got these young people like, it's a hell no. Excuse my French. Because <laughs> it would be hell. They're thinking it would be hell to uh, <laughs> be ball and chained. It's just, but marriage is not work. Marriage should not be work. Not when you do a God's way. Not when you... Check with him before executing a pursuit. If you do not check with God and you're married, I guarantee you, you could take my words to the bank and cash them. It's work. If you did not check with God and get his permission and authorization and confirm with him that she or he is your soulmate, because it works both ways, your marriage, honey, your marriage is work. Now, I'm not saying your marriage can't be blessed. I'm not saying that it can't be doable. But do you want a marriage that's just that's just doable? Who wants to be well, honey? You know, I think you know it's another. It's, it's your anniversary. Well, you, we made it. It's another year. Yep, we made it. <laughs> you want to live like that? <laughs> And then you blow a candle on a cup of cake and, you know, you go to bed. <laughs> you have no idea how many marriages are in mess. Who wants to live like that? But when you can look into your spouse's eyes and say, today is better than the day before. When you can say that your love is like the air. Because you need them to breathe. 
When you look at the byproduct of your relationship and you look at your children and they can see that you're happy and they happy, you're just one happy family. <laughs> it is a blessing. The Bible says that children are a blessing. And he blesses us with lineage so that we then can raise them to be assets and partakers in the good things in the world. And contribute to making the world a better place. This is why God, you make God sick when you abort. You make God sick when you don't take accountability and responsibility for that child. Now maybe you, you're in an uncomfortable place and you've made mistakes or maybe you've experienced hardship and trauma and you were raped, you, you were, there was incest involved. He understands confusion, he understands difficulty. But he will never, ever smile upon murder. Now, I've told the story once before. Maybe I'll tell it again this morning. My firstborn was a byproduct. It was a, you know, was, it was, she was born out of rape. I was a virgin. And I was dating somebody, and he was very abusive, and he took it. And she... Was, so she was born out of rape. And when I found out I was pregnant, I went to a Planned Parenthood. And I, I had nowhere else to go. My family was religious. I didn't want to tell anybody. I, I just, I was confused. I was broken. I was abused. At the time, I so I, I my daughter... She was conceived at about nine. I was about 19. Gave birth to her at 20. Gave birth to my son at 21. Oh, let me back up a little. So I'm, I am at the Planned Parenthood. I have nowhere. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, I'm the first in my family to to to. Have a child at a wetlock. You don't understand what this is like. I mean, it's like, listen, the royals understand. This is this is a mess. You come from a religious religious background, and you're the first in your household out of all them kids. You're the second oldest. They rely on you to run the house. They rely on you to set an example. You're religious. You're not even, listen, in my house, we couldn't listen to the radio, go to the movies, wear makeup, wear earrings, no pants. Listen, we couldn't, listen. It, it was, listen. This was not good for me. Because at the time, I was still living with my parents. The things the church would say, I would be shunned, I would be what they call silence, where they take you off of your activities and out of the function of the church and they sit you down, you can't even speak during service. And that no one's allowed to they excommunicate you. No one's allowed to speak to you. Or even wave from across the street. So this was the situation I was in. 
So I was broken, confused. Broken and confused. I, I just... Between the abuse in my household and now getting involved with this particular person and now I'm pregnant, I just... I had nowhere else to go. The church, no, the church was gonna, wasn't going to help me. They were going to condemn me and they were going to silence me and they were going to mock me and talk about me, gossip about me. I, it just... So I went to a Planned Parenthood. And I walked in and I filled out some paperwork and I went by myself. I had no one to go with me. I had nowhere to, I had no one to take me. And uh, I walked in, I filled out the paperwork. I, I was seen by a woman. She took me in and she said, the first, one of the first things she asked me, I mean the first thing, before she even knew my story. Do you want to abort? No! It's a, it's a hell no. Abort? I'm jacked up now. I'm jacked up. I'm, and I'm messed up. I'm broken, I'm crying, I'm... I'm, I ain't got, I ain't got no money. I'm still living with these people. I'm being, a, I'm a, I've been abused my whole life. This is a mess. I was raped. My virginity stolen from me. But I'm not aborting. It's a no. <laughs> it's a no. But I was jacked up. Now, for those who don't know what that term means, when you think of something that's jacked up, you think of a car. So anytime you jack up a car, you usually it's usually because it's broken. Something's wrong with it. So when you hear, you know, black folks, <laughs> you know, those African Americans. <laughs> Say that's that that was that was jacked up. That that's what that means. That was messed up. It usually it, it implies that something ain't right and needs to be fixed. That's jacked up. So um, and now I I look at my kids. My my daughter is twenty seven. My son is twenty six, and they are hot. I got some good looking kids. My kids are good looking, but I after. I said no. I went back back up a little. And uh, eventually everybody found out. Some lady at the church. I I couldn't take it anymore. And I happened to be at, at the time my best friend. It was a Sunday at the time I was at her house. And I, the, the burden was so heavy I had to tell somebody. And this woman, she knew that she, I was a little distraught. And she... She said, you could talk to me. You could tell me anything. And I, I you know, because she was an evangelist from the church at the time. Man, I told this lady, as soon as she left the room I was standing in, she was having tea and cake with her family members. And I heard her say, oh, you have no idea what Lisa just told me. And they gossiped for about an hour. This is church people. And I cried like a baby. I said, she promised me she wouldn't tell. Now, for the sake of her family, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna embarrass them. 
And she's she's dead, and she's going on with she's she's dead. She's not on Earth anymore. She's um, pardon me for saying this, but I just you know that that scorned me. I because I was autistic and I didn't speak at all. You have to understand who I was. I didn't speak at all, and when I did open my mouth, she told everybody my business. This is the problem with church people: you gossip and hurt people. Freak it. Her name was Sister Cotton. And if she gone and she's dead and gone. She can't sue me. Her name was Sister Cotton. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. And uh, once every once it got out, every you know, it, it spread like wildfire. No, and people couldn't believe it because I was a, I was a good kid. But they, you know, people soon found out I was raped, and uh, they found out the scenario, the situation, and the circumstances. And uh, but this is the thing: I lived at home with religious parents, and I was I was spiraling down quick, very fast. And uh, I was in my room and I was crying to the Lord. And the woman that I used to call my mother came to the door. What's wrong with you? What? You can't be up in your room like this all the time. And I told her, I said, this man is abusing me and I can't take it anymore. And I'm pregnant now. And I, he raped me. And I, I just told her the whole story I, I, in detail. And she looked at me and she said, Lord, you got to marry him. You're pregnant now. This doesn't look good. We're religious people. You're pregnant now. You might as well marry the man. People, you know, women like you make men like that better. You got to marry him. Not what you want to hear. You want to hear, let's go get them. Let's press charges. You, you want to hear, who's with me? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> you want to hear, honey, I got your back. This will never happen to you again. We're going to hold them accountable. Not marrying. You're under my roof. This don't look good. You're religious. You're supposed to be saved. You're supposed to be a Christian. You got to go to church on Sunday. You don't want to hear that. So, this woman rode me so bad. To the point where, God, I almost had a nervous breakdown. And I was forced to marry this man. It got worse after we got married. And then after a while, he didn't have to take the sex anymore, even though sometimes he did. But, you know, we're married now, you know. And six months after we got married, the relationship dissolved. He was running around the street on me. He was, it was a mess. 
having sex with men, having sex with women, coming home trying to have sex with me. It was a mess. The, all the people he was cheating on me with calling my house. and It was a mess. It was a mess. That's just, that's not even the gist of it. And, uh, something happened in my home. And I said, hell no, I got kids. And I grabbed my kids and I never looked back. And I said, God, listen, I've got to get out of this thing. I've got, I've got kids now. I got to get out now. Six months after the relationship dissolved, six months after we were married, the relationship dissolved. You know, it it was over. And uh, but he was the family. You know, I I I had to cut ties from his family. I had to cut ties. And although we separated, it took me five years to get divorced. That's how long the attorney took. It was, it took a long time. It just, it took a long time. But you know, I, I, you know, I, I was not with him. But the, the marriage is, you know, the, the paperwork itself. It just took a long time. I was married in 1994. 90, 190, I don't want to tell it. I'm trying, let me not figure it out loud. She'll kill me. <laughs> but, uh, around, around 94, 1994. And, uh, I just, I, I got divorced around the paperwork came through. I got I was at work. And it was the year two thousand. And I got a phone call at work then the lawyer said, Lisa, it's done. He's out of your life forever. Man, did those words sound good? <laughs> he was an Italian. Oh, no, oh sorry, no pun intended. But listen. I watched too many movies. I'm sorry. But listen. <laughs> God forgive <laughs> Listen, I just spoke to, <laughs> spoke to their person about myself. God forgive her. Listen, though. I left. I left. And I never looked back. My point is, it my situation was as bad as it gets. <laughs> but I was not going to abort children. That in turn helped me stay afloat in a very rough sea. My daughter and my son, they went on to be Grow up to be beautiful, beautiful adults. They they did many projects, you know. They grew up in the entertainment industry. Great actors, great actress. My daughter's a, you know, she's a, she's great in fashion. She's a beautiful fashion designer, beautiful 
artist, although she's corporate now. She has a voice of an angel. She's a singer. She's a songwriter. She's very, she's very active with the church. She, she's in the past. She spent a lot of time volunteering her gifts and talents to uh, nonprofit organizations. And my son, yeah, he could hold the note. He's not a singer, but he. I, I insisted on him being in the choir. I said, you're going to be active in church. You're going to hang out with young people. And you're going to join the choir with your sister. How about that? <laughs> I didn't play. I didn't play. It's very important that you keep your children active in church. Because if you're active, they're not. You're leaving them behind. And when they're of age and at the age of accountability, the devil will come by and sift them as wheat. They have to be ready. That's Bible. As soon as they turn... Uh, the age of accountability. The enemy is waiting for them. And if you have not given them a strong foundation in Christ. It's a, it's done. Their journey is going to be rough. And they're going to die. Just because you didn't feed them. It's not good enough just to give them an education. Because when the, let me tell you something. It's not good enough to give your children an education. To make sure they meet all their baseball and football practices. To ensure that they get A's on their report card. Because at the end of the day, when the devil comes by and he's taunting them. And, 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 and they, they experience life. And life just happens. When they're tempted. If they have no foundation in Jesus, if they have no foundation in Jesus, knowing God on a personal level, then that means they're not even in the place of grace. Great, and when you're in the place of grace with God, you're in the place of love and protection. With a faulty foundation, the whole infrastructure falls. Their temple will not survive the purifying. You understand? Now, the Bible says that God does not tempt. The devil does tempt to make you fall, but God tests you to strengthen you. Now, he knows what's on the inside. He doesn't test you because he needs to know. He knows. He's all-knowing. He's foreknowledge. But you don't. Sometimes you don't know the strength you have inside. Sometimes you don't know what's on the inside until you are purified. And it is revealed by fire. What is on the inside. And the gem and the pearl and the diamond. And all these beautiful analogies we hear about. How things are formed and developed. That, are, that come out so beautiful. Down from even a butterfly. From a caterpillar. Everything beautiful. It's just the, the process. Can be a little uncomfortable. And some might even say ugly. But just to let you know, God tests you to make you stronger. The devil tempts you to make you fall. To never say, oh my God. Because I hear people say, God is, God is tempting me, man. Why are you tempting me with this, with this thing? No, it's a no. No. The Bible said we're drawn away by our own lust, desires, and Wants and stuff like that paraphrase and don't put that on God. You know, you you it, you done concocted that thing in your head. You done contemplated. You done thought about it. You done 
dreamt about it, you done wrote about it, you done sung about it, you done danced about it, you done went to the club, you you married, you, you done went to a party without your wife on Christmas, and you done flirt with the receptionist, and now it's a mess. Don't, don't, don't put that on God. <laughs> that was all you. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes I just go on a tangent, pardon me. God tests us and never with evil. That contradicts who he is. And that implies he's trying to kill us because he hates sin. All sin, uh, you know, equates to death. The wages of sin is death. So to imply that God is tempting you says he's trying to kill me. Why is he trying to kill me? No. God tests you and never with evil. That's the Bible. But the devil tempts you to make you fall and you open the door to the enemy you by your thoughts by your heart by your actions by your decision making by your you know your, your choices you open the door give the enemy legal access to your heart mind and soul whenever you sin so let me break this down. These, these are my sidebars. Let me break this down. Every time you sin. Every time you're disobedient. Every, whenever you live contrary to biblical principle. You give the devil a new tooth. Because you understand the enemy. It has no power. Now. Satan is an it, not a he. Okay. He doesn't... It, 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 Satan... Don't ever say he. It, it, Satan is wickedness. It is not a he. It is wickedness. It's an it. It does not belong to God. People belong to God. So therefore the pronouns are he, she, him, her, that. Understand? So it is wickedness. Now, now the Bible says that Satan goes about like a warring lion. God never says. Satan is a warning, like a warning lion. He kinda has a roar. It, remember, it is not he. So you never say he. It. <laughs> no, I'm not talking to myself. I'm just reiterating. <laughs> it goes about like a warning lion. Not he. So therefore, it is safe to imply, this directly denotes, that Satan has no bite. It has no power. None. Zero. Zero. An exception to what you give it. It'll take practice because people, you know, they're used to referring to it as a pronoun. It'll take practice. 
So every time you sin, every time you're disobedient, whenever you live contrary to biblical principle, you give the devil a new tooth. And let me tell you, the Bible says that wickedness can't even rest until it has accomplished its scheme and wickedness and evilness against you. They can't even, it can't even rest. See, I just made a mistake. It can't even rest. It can't even rest. The Bible says the wicked have no rest. So if you're having trouble sleeping, you're experiencing something called insomnia. To the point where it literally hurts. You ever experienced insomnia so bad you're just feeling your brain? Check your lifestyle. Because the Bible said the wickedness have no rest. But he gives his righteous peace. To the point where you're resting all the time. <laughs> So, uh, my podcast is 35 minutes, 36 minutes, and 8 seconds, 4 seconds, 5 seconds, and etc, etc. And I will close. In closing, see, I this is my sidebar. <laughs> These were my sidebars. And reiterate. Marriage should never be work. If you're not married yet, check with God before executing in pursuit. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows what will work and what will not work. And if you are married, and maybe you didn't marry your soulmate. He honors marriage and it can be blessed. So keep going. Keep trying. And uh, be happy. Enjoy the rest of your lives together. And and make memories. Create legacy. Encourage each other in purpose. Be good examples for your children. For those who have contemplated abortion, should I take that pill? Shouldn't I? Should I go to this doctor in a different country? Shouldn't I? Should I risk my life laying on a table? And yeah, it's it's very serious. You never know. You never know. Because when you abort a child, what you're actually doing is aborting legacy. Aborting a form of love. Aborting. Honor. That can be developed in lineage. You're you're aborting lineage. You're aborting reward. You're aborting purpose. 
because God, you know, I, 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 there's so many ways I can go with this, but I'm closing. I, you have to take, I would love for you to take my classes, but listen. Sometimes it's just not about the sins of the parents as I have taught in previous posts why oftentimes children die young. And the Bible says sometimes good people die that may seem to be gone too early. is to keep them from the future evil that is to come. Now this does not give you a license to abort. But some, someone may be asking, well, I, I wanted to have the child, but it was stillborn. I wanted to have, he or she was stillborn. I wanted to have the baby, and I had a miscarriage. I I understand. So there, there, are, there are various reasons why this happens. I do explain it on my blog. But this, one of the other reasons is that there is purpose in your pain. I know something about that. When you don't understand anything else, know that there is purpose in your pain. Now, life happens. God is love, so he doesn't inflict pain on us. And this is another podcast. It's, 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 an, it's meant to be another sermon, but in jest. It's Sometimes it is our choices. Sometimes that leads us into uncomfortable moments in life. And sometimes it is karma. And it's sometimes God just does not waste anything, not even our own mistakes. Maybe we married the wrong person. Maybe, you know, you're having trouble having this child because it's, you know, you ended up with the wrong person. And it's just together, raising this child would be an, an error. But maybe God, it's just so many, so many different reasons. You needed to know that it could happen. But there is purpose in your pain. Somebody, and I'm closing, listen, I'm a minister, so you know that, so forgive me. But listen, I was on a call, and a young person said, look, he was listening to me talk, and I was teaching, and I was, uh, you know, Counseling at the same time and sometimes on the call we, we do group you know group chats and <laughs> they listen he said listen he said Miss Lisa if you're a child of God and you belong to God and God belongs to you then why is your life so effed up? <laughs> and I had to laugh. I said that's a good question. That's a good question. Good question. And I looked at him. Not really, because it was a call, but I I replied. Look. They put Jesus on a cross. Nails in his hands and feet. Drenched him in his own blood. Ripped open his flesh. Put a thorn. Crown of thorns into his skull. But it didn't make him any less God. It didn't make him any less God. 
There is purpose in your pain. Life is not always going to be comfortable. But God just does not waste anything when life does happen. And there is, it goes back to Adam and Eve and sin entering the world through bad choices. Which in turn affected everybody else thereafter from generations to generation to generation up to current date. So we live in a fallen world where sin is and it's just, the, it's just, you know, cause and effect. And life just happens incorporated with your bad decision making. But God doesn't waste anything. And there is purpose in your pain. So I told this young man. It didn't make Jesus any less God. And it doesn't make me less, any less of a child of God. It doesn't make me any less of his daughter. He's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Well, I, I think. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for con concurring. Thank thank you for that. You think it's cool? Thank you. <laughs> so, guys, be encouraged, as I always say. Enjoy your weekend. I told you I would upload today. It is now uh, a little after five a.m. Eastern Standard Time in New York. Children should never be thought of a liability, but an asset. God is creator and he blesses us with children so that we in turn can change the world. It sounds corny, but there are just some, you know, who, who just, listen. Imagine, imagine, no Barack Obama, no Michelle Obama, no Abraham Lincoln, no George Washington. Imagine, no Einstein. Listen, you understand what I'm trying to say? Listen, y'all, come on now. Some of our greatest fashion designers. Imagine what we'd look like. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Kors and Vera Wang and Cho and all you guys. Imagine know them. You don't know what you have aborted or what you could abort. If you'll just allow life to live. Listen, no Mayweather? One of the greatest athletes? No Tiger Woods? Come on now, you understand? No Bill Gates? Everything we do, everything we work on is because of beautiful minds like this. I mean, you know, it's sad. So I beg you to reconsider. I beg states and government to ban abortion. And it would do well for our uh, community and our world. We need these minds. We need these children. Mm 
We need this hope. Now, how does that... I hate... And <laughs> I do this to you guys. One more thing. How would a child give you hope? Because when you have a child, most often times, the parents say, I've got to survive. They become your rescue boat. It happened to me. I grew up real quick. And it wasn't because I, I felt pressured to. I love motherhood. You don't understand. It's the best role I've ever had. They make you better. They do. I'm sorry they do. They give you purpose. And before you know it, you are excited about the baseball games and football practices. And they're in their first play and they're getting their first award at the, at the school. And it's being held in the cafeteria because for some reason, I don't know. Let's use the auditorium next time. <laughs> the moments you miss out on. The birthdays and the first walks and the teeth and the, and the first funny thing they say when they start talking. What you have aborted. Children give you hope. Children give you purpose. And this has been Alisa Ann Giles podcast. And I'm Lisa Ann Giles Trinity. I want you all to have a beautiful weekend. And listen, somebody prayed this prayer. Listen, they said, Lisa, you, I, well, yeah, this this is getting annoying. Your, your, your little 10, 12 minute podcast. Well, come on now. Give us a little more time. Listen, you better. Join Alisa and Giles podcast, where my motto is, you could always be a better version of who you were before. You could always be a better version of who you were before.